Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Alan Bell. And Alan is an attorney who prosecuted organized crime cases for the state of Florida before being poisoned by his sick office building. He founded the Environmental Health Foundation advocating for victims of environmental injury and teamed up with other top lawyers to help other environmentally injured victims in court. We're discussing his book, Poison, today. Alan, welcome to the show. Oh, great. It's uh, great to be here. Um, You know, I I told you before we started the show, I was really excited about your book. Um, Can you just, uh, I actually, I couldn't put it down. Um, I think because a lot of it mirrored what I went through. Um, I I also got sick from a building and then uh, Lyme was tied into that. But I think that, you know, people aren't, still aren't aware of this being an issue. My, My poisoning was 11 years ago and yours, I think, if I have it right, was in the 80s. Um, Can you just tell us, you know, exactly what your life was like before that happened? Well, take yourself back to uh, the late 1980s. I was living in South Florida, and I was an organized crime prosecutor. I was prosecuting Colombian cartel drug rings and the mafia. Um, I was basically living the American dream. Um, new baby girl, great marriage, going on all kinds of vacations. Uh, my life was pretty exciting. Uh, I was living the real Miami Vice or the real Miami CSI, hanging out of helicopters and wearing 357 shoulder holsters, going after the bad guys. That's what it was like before I became ill. And then um, when, you, when you got sick, what happened when it started? How did it, how did it start? Well, um, my law office moved into a, a brand new building. Uh, it was a, an amazing building. It had new carpeting, new paints, new elevators, floor-to-ceiling windows. It was uh, talking elevators. It was a technological marvel. And shortly after moving into that building, uh, I caught what I thought was a cold, sniffly nose, teary eyes, that kind of stuff. And it morphed into uh, what I thought was the flu, um, where I felt fatigued, I had muscle pain throughout my body, uh, and something was definitely wrong. Uh, it eventually got even worse where I couldn't even get out of bed. And it got to the point where I was suffering from grand mal seizures but the, which is um pretty severe now when all this was going on what what were doctors telling you well, i started off going to local doctors in, in, in the local area where i lived um and they were taking blood tests and all kinds of uh, tests that they could find and they saw that my immune system was suppressed uh, but they didn't know why uh, then I began going to doctors all over the country. I went to Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, 
Cleveland Clinic, National Jewish Hospital in Denver, Colorado, and various university medical centers until one day uh, I was at the hospital in uh, Denver, Colorado, the National Jewish uh, Immunological Hospital. And I remember sitting in the, wait- in the, in the examining room after they've taken a whole bunch of blood tests, and uh, the doctor walks in the room and sits down uh, and looks at me and with a very grim face and said to me, Mr. Bell, these blood tests show that you were poisoned. And I was basically floored, floored by that. And the next thing that came out of his mouth was, he says, did you know, do you know anybody who would want to poison you? Well, I just sort of sat back in my chair and chuckled a little bit because the line of work that I did, uh, there was a lot of bad criminals that would have loved to poison me. So I said, yeah, I know a lot of them. Um, he said, well, let's take a break and let's resume testing in a week. So I went back to South Florida from there and I sat my investigators down and I asked them to find out who poisoned me. And they went through every aspect of my life. Uh, the movie theaters that I went to, the gymnasiums that I worked out in, the restaurants that I ate in, the courthouse that I worked in, and finally, the building that I was working in. And what they found, Rebecca, is, is that there were other people in the building that were getting ill as well. And my first reaction was, whoa, you mean they poisoned them too? Why mm-hmm. them? Why them? And what we ultimately discovered was that it was not a person that had poisoned me, but rather it was the building that I was working in that poisoned not only me, but many of my coworkers as well. Your first initial reaction, uh, I think somebody mentioned it to you um, in passing about the courthouse you worked in, that the courthouse and the building were were toxic. And, and, and this is well before you figured out what was going on. And you kind of laughed at it, which I think is a lot of people's response to that kind of thing that, well, no, my house is new, my building's new, it, it can't be hurting me. And, and I think your response was the same initially, this can't be happening. Exactly. Um, you know, most people in this country and in North America and, and the Western world, they really don't understand. They're very naive. They don't understand uh, how widespread uh, this problem is. For example, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency in the United States has concluded that every year, 75 million Americans become ill each year because of the buildings that they work in. That's a lot of people getting sick. Well, so um, not only does that happen, but I think that they also can't get help. I mean, you were flying around, you were lucky to have these resources, but you could go to these doctors in other cities to try to get help for for what was going on. You even went to Mexico at one point um, in your desperation to get help, but you couldn't get help or even have a discussion with anybody near you about what was going on. 
That's correct. Um, medical doctors, most of them, are ignorant uh, as to what's happening. And there's a reason for that. Um, the average medical student only gets six hours of instruction on how our environment adversely affects human health. Six hours. Six hours throughout medical school. And they come out into private practice and they are basically clueless as to what's going on. When in actuality, if you take all human disease and premature death and you boil it down to its most two basic common denominators, it's number one, the genes that you're born with, and number two, the environment that you're exposed to in your everyday life. Other than war, crime, and accident, if you put those aside, it's the genes and the environment. And when I say environment, I don't mean some rainforest on the other side of the planet or global warming that the average person can't do anything about. What I'm talking about is what you're exposed to in your everyday life, your home, your school, your workplace, or your local community. And basically, most human disease and premature death boils down to that. I agree with you. I've done almost 170 shows here, and they're all on health. And every single one of them, the common denominator has been discussions about what's in our environment, whether it's damage to our food or what we're breathing in or what we're exposed to in our home or in our city and, you know, pollution and that kind of thing. And and it, it just, this is not widely accepted. The change isn't happening the way we need it. And people are at a loss for what to do because they can't even identify what's happening in the same way it took you and also me years to figure out what had happened. Right. More people get sick and die from environmental exposure, Rebecca, than all those afflicted with AIDS, accident, war, and crime combined. It is the silent epidemic of the 21st century. And there's a reason why this is happening, logical reasons why this is happening. And this is not doom and gloom. The good news is, is that you could actually modify your lifestyle, minimize your risk, and prevent yourself and your family from becoming another statistic. And I know we're going to talk about those things later in your show. Yeah, we definitely are. Um, you know, um, my story was very similar to yours, and I want to share a little bit about it so that people can understand how, how serious this is, you know, with your story. And I also moved into a brand new building, not knowing that I had Lyme disease that I had mostly under control. And within three months, I was unable to exercise and I was quite active. I gained um, more than 20 pounds in one week, and I became bedridden. And I, I started to develop uh, neurological symptoms. Now, whether that was from the chemicals or from the Lyme becoming out of control, um, we don't know at this point. But I didn't figure it out until I moved out of that office, got better, and then had another exposure. And then the symptoms were the same, and I put two and two together. So it took me about four years to go, oh, this is what happened. And, and I, I don't think... It should be that hard for us to piece us together when we get that sick. But for some reason, we have to still, even though my journey was 11 years ago and yours was in the 80s, we're still stuck in this rabbit hole of not even having these discussions. Doctors don't talk about it. Families don't talk about it. It's just this hush-hush thing that we should be okay with everything that's in our environment. 
That's right. It's like the big elephant in the room that nobody wants to look at or acknowledge. Well, and I think a lot of people think it might be difficult to make those changes as well. It's really easy to, to you know, take out your chemicals to clean or to, to renovate and make everything look fresh. And as you described the building you worked in, it was a, a marvel and it was great to work there because it was so new, not realizing what it was going to do to you. That's right. That's right. And it's pretty common. And most people in North America are, are clueless. You know, we, we, we trust our governments. We assume that uh, whatever consumer products are on the shelves are safe. They've been tested. We, we assume that whatever we expose our babies to or our elderly to or, or whatever automobiles we drive or what clothes we put on our back or what personal care products we use, we assume that it's all been tested and safe, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. Well, and and that's the thing. I actually didn't learn this until I, I've done some shows but these things aren't tested. Um, there's very little regulation around that. And, and I, I think, like, did, when you learned about this, did you think, oh, my government must be protecting me? That can't be the problem? Absolutely. In fact, when the doctors first told me this, that, um, that I was poisoned by the building, I, I didn't believe them. I thought they were, I thought they were, they were crazy. <laughs> I, I really Which, thought they were crazy. <laughs> well, and did you have, it, it seemed from your book that you had this sense of, of trust for the system that you were in, and it, it took some some road bumps um, for you to, to realize that you had to start questioning things as well. Absolutely. It, it, it was an amazing journey. Uh, you know, when I got sick, um, I became hypersensitive to everything in the environment. And suddenly anything that I was exposed to, whether it was perfumes, colognes, hairsprays, automobile exhaust, you name it, uh, it would trigger me to have seizures. So I ended up having to go inside a bubble, live in a bubble for eight years. And uh, I ended up in a wheelchair tethered to an oxygen tank. And if that wasn't a wake-up call, <laughs> there, <laughs> there can't be a wake-up call. And while I was trapped in that bubble for eight years, um, I really went on a quest to find out what happened to me, why this happened to me, and what happened to me as it relates to everybody else out there. Um, and it was quite a rude awakening as to what I discovered. Well, and um, I, I agree with you on that. Um, we're going to take a quick break, break, and then we'll talk more about that when we get back. We're talking today with Alan Bell, and we're discussing his book, Poisoned, How a Crime-Busting Prosecutor Turned His Medical Mystery into a Crusade for Environmental Victims. And we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Everything is energy. It's all connected. Your energy can be seen as the foundation for your life and impacts all areas of living. Do you realize that your thoughts have the power to affect how you show up? Tune in for Healthy Energy with Margot, featuring host Margot Nielsen. Margot and her guests will show you that connecting to your energy is vital to your health, relationships, money, and more. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Riss. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking today with Alan Bell, and we're discussing his book, Poisoned. Now, Alan, I want to talk about the the years that you spent in your your bubble. I think this is really significant. Um, Can you just tell us what that meant? What does this bubble mean? Well, when I became hypersensitive to everything in the environment, the doctors uh, concluded that if I keep getting exposed to these low-level chemicals that triggered seizures, that it would kill me. So they found a 800-square-foot bubble in the middle of the Arizona desert uh, that was specially built by somebody who also had this injury who had passed away, and, and now the place was open for sale. So we purchased it, and it was an 800-square-foot bubble uh, in the middle of the Arizona desert, the, 50 miles in all directions. All you saw was cactus, no roads, no schools, nothing, no people, no stores. It was isolated and desolate. And the reason why that was picked is is because it was clearly far away from any types of pollution. There was no automobile exhaust. There was no spraying of pesticides by neighbors. There was no farming. It was just wilderness. And inside the bubble, it was made out of glass, steel, and brick. That's it. Inside the bubble, um, there was no what you would call software material, like there were no curtains, there were no drapes, there were no um, car- there was no carpeting. Even the bedding was just an organic cotton bed. Uh, basically, it looked and, uh, and felt like a cold, austere jail cell. And by that time, uh, it was difficult to walk. I was in a wheelchair. 
tethered to an oxygen tank with my wife at the time and our young child. And that's, that's, that's how it was in there. And then after a while, uh, my wife determined that she couldn't handle this anymore. And she said, I'm leaving. And she left. And uh, eventually she left our child as well. And inside this bubble, it was just me and um, our, my little girl. And I turned and looked to her, and I thought to myself, I've got to find a way to get out of here where my daughter is going to become an orphan. So she gave me the will to fight, to fight for her. And I looked around the bubble, and I, I and I'm looked, and I'm thinking to myself, what can I use as tools to try and find a way out? And I just identified four things. I had a telephone, I had a fax machine, I had a pencil and paper. And with those four tools, I began searching and communicating with and reaching out to the top scientists in the United States. Like a blind man uses a white cane to navigate through his world, I used that telephone as my, my gate to the outside world. And I began talking to the top scientists from all over America, from Harvard, Yale, Johns Hopkins, Centers for Disease Control, Environmental Protection Agency, National Institutes of Health. And after speaking to them, I determined that that there was a pattern to what they were saying. And I had an aha moment where I finally realized that my plight was just a tip of the iceberg and that there are millions of Americans and Canadians that are getting sick and dying every day from environmentally linked disease. And my story was just a tip of what's going on everywhere. So I decided that I wanted to try and fight back so I, I, I um, founded a little charity called the Environmental Health Foundation, and I got top scientists from all over America to be on the scientific advisory board. And without ever leaving that bubble, I raised money to donate it to universities across America um, to try and find treatments and cures for environmentally linked disease. And when I was doing this, the media caught on to what I was doing, and pretty soon, I had reporters and TV people and satellite dishes pulling up to this bubble asking to interview me because their scoop was, boy in the bubble starts charity to help save others. <laughs> I thought it was sort of ironic. But um, that's what I did. And it was through that charity um, that... Um, Actually, we put on an event at the Biosphere 2, uh, which is a whole another conversation, uh, in the middle of the desert. And all these scientists convened in this bubble, and my daughter went as my representative because I couldn't leave the bubble. And little did I know when she went to this summit that my charity um, uh, arranged, she began going to the different scientists and going up to them, unbeknownst to me, saying, excuse me, Mr. Scientist, you, you all are here and, and getting a lot of money, but why can't you help my daddy? <laughs> I had no idea this was happening. 
she eventually found a scientist that led her to a doctor um, that gave me a new anti-seizure medicine that got me out of the bubble. Well, um, I want to talk about that. I want you to tell us about um, your trip to Disneyland and how amazing that was for you. You know, it's funny. You know, we were talking about Anaheim, and you know that's where Disneyland is. And yeah, it's it's ironic that when I was in this bubble, and I was trying to, you know, keep my hopes up and hoping one day somehow I would be able to get out of this bubble. And I thought to myself, what would be the first thing that I would want to do if I got out of this bubble? And it was always a dream of mine that if I got out of this bubble, the first thing I would do would be to take my little girl to Disneyland. And that's the first thing that I did. And the irony of this whole thing is is that I've since moved to California, and I live about 20 minutes from Disneyland <laughs> right now. Yeah. And you don't go... Well, when I was reading that story, I knew what a big deal that was for you because you were exposed to so much going there. And um, can you just tell us, like, you did have an episode as well when, when you went, but you actually survived the entire day. So anybody who's been through this knows that that was actually a big turning point for you to, to go there with your daughter. That's right. That's right. And the irony twist of fate was, is I fought to stay alive to save her, but she ended up really helping save me. Which is, um, I think, sometimes what does happen. Um, you know, we do, when we're that sick, we have something that just pulls us out of it. And now, you know, not only are you, did you do that for your daughter and she helped you, so this is what family is supposed to do, but you're now helping other people as well. You, you've turned this not only into, um, you know, that foundation that you could do from your bubble, but you're not in your bubble anymore. So can you just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now to fight for people who are affected the way you were. Well, when I jumped, when I got out of the bubble, the first thing I did was, is I jumped back into the legal arena. And instead of prosecuting one crime at a time, I went after the ultimate crime, which is the crime against humanity, which we are committing against ourselves. In other words, we're poisoning ourselves. So I hooked up with some pretty big name Lawyers, I don't know if you've ever heard of Aaron Brockovich. I'm sure yes. many of your viewers have. I hooked up with her boss, Ed Massery, and on some cases we went after big bad corporations and greedy individuals that were poisoning others and killing others. And we represented poor people that had nowhere else to turn to for help in court. Um, I also hooked up with another guy by the name of Jan Schlichtman, he was a real-life character for a movie called A Civil Action starring John Travolta. John Travolta played him. And in fact, Jan Schlickman wrote the forward in my book. And along with him, I also went after big bad companies uh, that are poisoning people and represented these people that basically whose lives become devastated. They've either been killed or or. or, or permanently injured. So that's what I uh, did when I got out. 
when when you're doing this for people, you have some stories in your book about um, you know people getting damaged and and how you're helping them. Um, but you do talk about your your own illness that you're not quite well enough to go um, to certain places. Is that changed now, or do you still find that you're limited? Oh, I am limited um, still. Um, I I'm functional, uh, but I am limited. I'm still sensitive to. You know, most chemicals and pollens and molds and uh, many foods. Um, so I'm on a strict regimen to keep myself stable. But I, I have not gone back into the toxic world. Um, if I do go out, um, like I can go shopping at Whole Foods, or, um, and I could do, you know, a lot of things. I could walk, I could swim in chlorine-free pools. Um, I could even go in public places, but I don't do it on a regular basis um, because I'm still impaired. Uh, But uh, fortunately, I've been able to uh, live a meaningful life after this has happened to me. And unlike many people who have succumbed to chemicals, whether it be cancer or autoimmune diseases or, or, you know, what I have, Many have not recovered and actually died or committed suicide or ended up totally incapacitated uh, permanently. Well, I know that if I had stayed in that office that made me sick, I would have continued to decline. I didn't sleep for two years while I worked there until I moved, and and I still didn't put it together, but I finally slept through the night for the first time in two years. And, um, you know, that office is still open, and and I feel like I would have just gone down the way you did, continuing to work in your office. I would have gone downhill. Now, like you, I'm still sensitive, um, but I'm not as bad. Um, but I think it might be important for us to explain to people why it's hard for you to go out into stores or to be around those things. What, what's happening in stores or in the environment that's triggering you? Well, in stores, you know, stores are full of uh, products, consumer products, uh, made from chemicals that are toxic. And when you go into these places, they emit volatile organic compounds uh, which are gases that you, that are invisible, and many times you can't even smell it. Um, and when you're sensitive to these chemicals, uh, they they can cause all kinds of reactions. Um, and everybody's different. And in fact, I can have different reactions to the same chemicals on different days. It affects you neurologically, your central nervous system. You know, you can get shortness of breath, uh, burning eyes, unsteady on your feet, dizziness actually pain in your muscles and joints instantly when you get exposed to these kinds of things. Um, your brain could get totally scrambled within a few minutes where it would be difficult to even have a conversation. Um, many times you need to be just escorted out of the place because you're so dizzy and disoriented, you don't even know where you are anymore. It's very difficult for the average person to understand this, but the truth is, is that when your brain is injured and become high, becomes hypersensitive to every, these chemicals, the, that's the kind of symptoms that it can produce. Well, it, when I was at my sickest, I, I was unable to shop. And it was baffling because nobody talked about this. It's a little easier to find this information now than it was, you know, 11 years ago. But I, I would be able to go for a walk outside for an hour 
But if I went into a mall, I had to leave within 10 minutes and I lost the rest of my day. And I, I would ask doctor after doctor and I was paid money to see integrative doctors and, and nobody could explain to me why I was having those problems. And of course, I had a huge toxic load because of the office I was working in. And by walking into a mall, I was adding in the VOCs and the perfumes and, you know, walking by stores that had bath products and, and who knows what else. And then I, I couldn't deal with it. So I was done for the day. Whereas outside... Fortunately, now um, there's a, um, a society called the American Academy of Environmental Medicine, and these are doctors who actually specialize in treating um, these kinds of syndromes, and they've really come a long way in the last 20 years. Um, yeah, well, I, I feel like th- that they have now. There, you know, there's somebody I c- I, that's actually quite along in another city from where I am, where I can refer patients to. But when people are dealing with a regular doctor going, I can't go to work, most of the time they're hitting a roadblock, being told they're just making up these symptoms and it's not your building and it can't be and that kind of thing. Um, which is unfortunate that that does still happen to a lot of people. That's correct. That's correct. And because it's ignorance. These doctors, they just, they weren't trained in medical school to identify illnesses that are induced by the environment. In medical school, they're only taught to push drugs because the pharmaceutical industry uh, really influences the curriculum of medical schools. So doctors are basically taught to push drugs. They're not taught to recognize the existence of symptoms that may be related to environmental exposure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, exactly. And, and you know, when for me, I couldn't even tolerate the pharmaceutical drugs they were trying to offer me because I couldn't, my liver couldn't tolerate them. And that was out of their realm. So when things like that happen too, they're like, they have no, no tools for me. I was a mystery. I just, you know, I was too young to have the problems I was having, um, which I think happens to people a lot. And, um, you know, people are brushed aside, which is why I'm very glad that you are bringing awareness to this. So your book is so easy to read and it's so clear what's going on. Um, and so people can, can get this information now where when you and I were sick, it, it was a lot harder to, to get that. So now people can, exactly. before, it, before it gets to the way you were, somebody can get themselves out of that situation. And here's the thing, this is how it could relate to your, you know, to the entire audience. You know, the two biggest killers in North America is heart disease and cancer. And they know they now know that heart disease is not just based upon diet and exercise, but it's also based on what you breathe and what you touch. If you live within a half a mile of a freeway, your chances of getting heart disease triples. And if you look at the number two killer, cancer, one out of every two men are going to get cancer in our lifetime. One out of every three women are going to get cancer in your lifetime. And according to the American Cancer Society, 80% of all cancers is caused by the everyday environment that we are exposed to. So this is not just about some some rare, obscure illness that maybe you or I have uh, succumbed to, but it's also about mainstream illnesses, including Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, scleroderma, lupus, and the list goes on and on and on. They're all environmentally linked.
Which, you know, these are the things that people are afraid of, especially cancer. A lot of people come in and they're like, can you screen me for cancer? Which, of course, I can't. And and um, that's that is a that and heart disease, I think, because they're so unpredictable and what people are afraid of. And really, it comes down to our environment, which we're doing very little about. So hopefully we can spur people on to make these changes sooner rather than later. Well, I mean, there's a lot you could do in your own home. You know, you spend 90% of your time indoors, and you spend at least a third of your life in the home that you're living in. You sleep a third of your life in your bedroom. And if you could make your bedroom safe, you're eliminating one-third of the toxins that you're exposed to on a daily basis. That's significant. Yeah, definitely. And there are simple things that you can do to protect yourself and your family. This is not doom and gloom. This is actually good news because you don't have to close a smokestack to make a difference. You don't have to stop global warming to make a difference. You don't have to save the ra- save the rainforest in South America to make a difference. You could actually modify your own home and make a huge difference for yourself and your family. Which, which I love to hear that you say that. We're going to take a break and then um, I'm going to ask you all those questions when we get back and we'll give people the tools so that they can help themselves not get as sick as you and I did. So um, we're talking today with Alan Bell and we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural, evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You 
are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Riss. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking today with Alan Bell, and we're discussing his book, Poisoned. So, Alan, um, before the break, you said one of the easiest things people can do is to make their home safe so that they're not exposed, majorly exposed to chemicals. So how can somebody go about doing that? Uh, well, um, in my book, I list the uh, top 10 most, the, the 10 most toxic chemicals that are commonly found in your everyday life. And I also list the top 20 ways to modify your lifestyle, minimize your risk, and prevent yourself and your family from becoming another statistic. I don't have those 10, <laughs> those 10 <laughs> things. You, you have to get my book to read them. I don't remember them by heart, but I can tell you this. Starting with your own bedroom, like we were discussing before, you know, you spend a third of your life sleeping. So the first thing you ought to do is in your bedroom, if you have carpeting, rip it out. If you need to paint your uh, walls, use uh, zero VOC paint. Uh, Benjamin Moore has a really good paint. You could paint it one day and put your baby in it the next. There's absolutely no toxins in there. Uh, you could use tile, um, you know, for your floors or, you know, limestone for your floors. Um, and for the bed, which is the most important thing, you want to get a organic cotton bed that has no flame retardants in it. Now, most beds, at least all beds in America, they're required to be, you know, sprayed with these you know, these flame retardants on there, which is very, very harmful to you. But if you have a doctor's note, you can get one without the flame retardants. Um, and organic cotton is definitely the way to go. Definitely the way to go. So right there, uh, and, and if you have any furniture in your bedroom, if the furniture is made out of particle board, that's not good because it's got a lot of glues in it. So um, the best furniture would be, you know, solid wood that's not particle board or furniture made out of glass, steel, metal, um, something that doesn't emit volatile organic compounds. And when you do those simple things that I just described, you're basically eliminating toxins in a third of your life where you're sleeping, which is huge, absolutely yeah. huge. It is definitely huge. Now, um, one thing that a conversation that happens almost weekly in my office is about doing renovations, which is a big issue. Um, when I did renos quite a few years ago, I was worried about what would happen. So I took samples and I would spend, I would actually take like a sample of the floor that I wanted to use and I would sleep with it because I knew I would react if it wasn't good for me. And um, it actually took me about five different floorings before I found one that would work for me. And uh, so That's this right. is how, That's right. yeah, 
because we're all going to react to something different as well. So what might work for one person? Because um, one of the floors was actually recommended by someone who um, dealt with people with issues like we have and recommended this really expensive floor and I reacted to it. So something it was treated with still didn't work for me. And so it doesn't matter how right. natural the floor is. It may have something that you might react to. So before you spend all that money and put it in, make sure you're okay with it. That's right. Uh, I actually built an environmentally safe house here in California from the ground up. And I had a test for every single thing that I put into that house. Uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a big house with an elevator and a pool and, uh, you know, a 5,000 square foot house. And everything was tested before it went in. Well, which, you know, um, not everybody is able to, to do that, but even just the self-testing like I did of make sure that you're not reacting. So if you're going to paint the wall, even if it's low VOC paint or no VOC, paint a little bit first. Make sure that you are okay with it before you do your entire house. And then suddenly realize you can't be there. That's right. Now, what you're talking about is for the people in the audience that have sensitivities. Yes. Uh, and according to the, uh, the, the National Academy of Sciences in the United States, they estimate that 15% of the American population has become sensitized to chemicals to one degree or another. Uh, you, you're, you're extreme. I'm extreme. But there's mm -hmm. many others out there, 15% of us, uh, that are sensitive uh, to lesser degrees. So... There's a huge market for these non-toxic products. There's a huge demand for it. The people that are listening to us that are not sensitive to chemicals, which is 85% of you, it would be good for you to surround yourself by inert materials anyway because you actually are in a uh, – you viewers or you listeners are actually – in, in a less fortunate situation because you can't even sense uh, what's toxic to you. And you could be unknowingly exposing yourself to things because you can't sense them because you're not sensitive to them. And you could, it could lead to other diseases like cancer, heart disease, and other chronic diseases that we spoke about earlier. So it's well, always smart, whether you're sensitive or not, to buy environmentally safe products, whether it be the organic food that you put in your body or the filtered water that has no chlorine or heavy metals in it, whether it be the clothes on your back that's, that's made of synthetic chemicals that you're absorbing through your skin, whether it be cosmetics that are highly toxic, whether it be personal care products like toothpaste, mouthwash, um, you know, shampoo, conditioners. They're all, soaps, they're all exposures that you can minimize. Uh, you know, when you go to Whole Foods, I'm sure you have Whole, Whole Foods up there in Canada, uh, they sell a lot of these things. The important thing to do is read the label. And if it contains, if the product that you buy contains uh, something that you can't pronounce, it's a chemical that you don't want to expose yourself to. Now, I believe Whole Foods has a rule that they will not sell any uh, products that are not labeled, the ingredients that are not labeled, which is a good thing. 
And I'm not promoting Whole Foods by any stretch of the imagination. Even your local health food store would probably follow the same protocol. Well, I also want to point out that you and I weren't always like this, and the it was the overexposure. So, if we're looking, I mean, if we're looking at you know eighty percent of cancers are caused by environment, we should be limiting this exposure. And hopefully, people that just decide to do this just for the sake of it, that aren't as um, you know didn't become as sick as you and I, they they're going to prevent that for themselves and have a healthier family overall because they're not going to have of this major exposure the way you and I did. Right, and I think that the most, um, you know, the most open target demographic audience are middle-aged females who have children because mothers want to protect their kids. And those are the type of people that uh, these corporations that are producing non-toxic products are targeting. That's their target demographic audience. And as the years progress, more and more people are becoming aware of this widespread problem. And that's why stores like Whole Foods are just expanding beyond belief because they're just basically administering to the demand of their products. Um, And the thing is, is if you arm people with knowledge they will modify their lifestyle and minimize their risk. The whole key is knowledge. Make people aware of the hidden dangers that they're being exposed to in their everyday life. Which is really important because, you know, I wish... I, I do wish somebody had had this conversation with me because when I had that chemical exposure, I was still using Tide laundry detergent and I would have a moment of feeling well. And for me, putting away laundry was a really big deal because that was a lot of energy expended. And I would go to put my laundry away and I'd never made it through. <laughs> and of course, it turned out that every time I was folding these clothes, I was exposing myself to the chemicals that I couldn't tolerate in the laundry detergent. And then I would crash for a week from it. And then, of course, I'd lie in bed and that was washed <laughs> with this laundry detergent. Um, so it's cool. important, even if you think it's not affecting you, it might still be. You might just not be aware that that's what's happening. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word might. I would use the word it will affect you. This, mm-hmm. These toxic chemicals affect everybody. The, the question is, is many people, they don't sense the fact They don't sense the danger. They don't have the sensitivity to it. But at the end of the day, they're still being exposed to the same toxic chemicals that you and I can detect, but 85% of the population can't detect. But nevertheless, they're still getting these, these doses of toxins that they're being exposed to that's going to eventually contribute to the manifestation of chronic disease that they will get later in life. Yeah, and it might not be the the extreme of what you and I went through, but if you're saying, can't, I mean, we know cancer is linked to this autoimmune diseases, um, all these things that happen when we get older later in life. So why wouldn't we want to just prevent that from happening, make these changes and, and be healthier overall? Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's just about lifestyle modification. You know, when people want to get healthy, 20 years ago, they thought, okay, well, I'm going to diet and I'm going to exercise. Well, they now know 
it's not just what about it's not just about diet and exercise, but it's also about what you breathe and what you touch contribute mm-hmm. contributes greatly to the your yeah. health and well being later on in life. Yeah, and I, I love that, that we're saying this. Every new patient that comes through my door, I have this conversation with them because I tell them that even if they don't notice you know, these things affecting them, if they don't make the changes, the burden to their body can cost them a lot of money with me as I'm trying to help them with it. And so just to help themselves by making the changes that they should do for themselves anyway. Precisely. I just wanted to mention, people might be asking, well, well, why isn't the government doing anything about this? And why is this allowed to happen? And, and the answer is, basically, in, in America, chemicals are presumed innocent until proven guilty. That's the law. So anybody could invent a new chemical, put it in a product, and it'll end up on the shelf in your store. And it's perfectly legal, unless or until it's later proven that those chemicals cause harm, and then they're taken off the market. Now, unlike America, there's other um, countries like Canada, Germany, England, and France that have laws that basically say chemicals are presumed guilty until proven innocent. That, and mm-hmm. that means that before a chemical is introduced into the marketplace, there has to be some testing in order for the government to give the green light to to um, you know to allow that to go on our shelves, but you might be asking, well, why are the laws like this? Why why are the American uh, lawmakers allowing these people to do this? And it all boils down to money and greed. Unfortunately, people that are uh, become United States senators and congressmen, they have to get elected, and and in order to get elected, they need uh, to you know, generate a lot of money in their campaign funds. And from that comes their association with and their open openness in taking money from big companies like Dow Chemical and Bayer that are producing extremely toxic chemicals. And it's those big companies, including Big Pharma, that are influencing the lawmakers in America to keep the laws just the way they are. Because yeah. as long as chemicals are presumed innocent until proven guilty, they're going to continue to reap billions and billions of dollars of profits at the expense of millions of lives being compromised. That's yeah. why this is all happening. Well, thank you for and, saying and, that. And, I think that's really important for us to um, to point out. Um, of course, you're doing a lot to um, bring awareness to this. And um, if anybody wants to get involved or wants more information, um, is what can they do? Well, they can go to my website, which is alanbell.me. That's A-L-A-N-B-E-L-L dot me, M-E. And on my website, you'll see my book. You can get my book. You can order it off the website. Uh, it will give you the 10 most toxic chemicals and where they're commonly found. It will give you the top 20 ways to modify your lifestyle and minimize your risk. It will explain a lot of these things that you and I were discussing in great detail, including opinions from scientists and very famous people that were behind this book. Um, and there's also a YouTube channel that I have that's linked to my website 
in the upper right-hand corner on my homepage. And if you click that YouTube icon, it will open up the door to many of the talks and lectures that I've given at universities across America. It also shows television shows that I was on, ABC, NBC, CBS, further explaining these things. And in fact, on one of the shows on my YouTube channel, it actually shows me displaying different test kits that you could purchase very cheap to see if you've got different types of toxins in your home, like asbestos or mold or other things like that uh, that are invisible that you would have no way of knowing other than taking a test for yourself. And these test kits are uh, very inexpensive. They're very easy to use, and they could reveal a lot of bad things that might be lurking in your own home. Uh, and I address those things on one of my television shows on my YouTube channel. Okay, well, perfect. Thank you so much for, for everything that you're doing and advocating for everybody, really. Um, I appreciate that, that you're doing this. And thank you, Rebecca, for um, having this show and uh, revealing the, the truth of, of a lot of important issues with a lot of important guests that you have on your show and helping change lives for the hundreds of thousands of, view, of, of listeners that you listen, that mm-hmm. listen to your program where you could really make a true, where you're, where you're really making a true and significant difference uh, on a huge level. And thank you well, for what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, thank you. That, that's why I do this. And if anybody listening wants more information about my story, um, my journey back to health, which does include these chemicals we spoke about, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And thank you so much for listening. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.